Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Great Detectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis using the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. If you are watching this episode on YouTube, you can hit the dollar sign and give a donation via Super Thanks. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. A reminder, if you are listening to this podcast and you are not subscribed, you can do so with your favorite podcast app. Whether it's Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spreaker, Spotify, Stitcher, or Amazon Music at Amazon.com slash OTR Detectives. But now it is time for this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date, April 17th, 1950, and the title is Investigate Flying Saucers. <laughs> Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Morning, Commissioner. Steve. You know, this better be important. There's a certain redhead who was just dying to go for a long ride in the country today. Now I can't even give her a chance to walk back. This is important, Steve. Ever hear of the Triangle Airline? No. It's an American charter outfit owned by a man named Kovac. They fly cargo across the northern part of South America, from Ecuador to Brazil. The last ten days, three of their planes have disappeared over the jungles, vanished without a trace. Pilots haven't been heard from since. So are private airlines in trouble. Since when have we been pulling chestnuts out of the fire for outfits like that? Ordinarily, we wouldn't be interested. But the circumstances accompanying the disappearance of these cargo planes makes it our concern. What circumstances? Well, um, I don't quite know how to tell you, Steve. Oh, now, let's not be bashful, Commissioner. What do you mean? Flying saucers. What did you say? You heard me, flying saucers. Commissioner, I'm a pretty patient guy. But if you think I'm going down to South America and start looking for flying saucers... That's just what you are going to do, Steve, and your plane leaves in an hour. Now, look, don't tell me you're going to give me a Buck Rogers ray gun to shoot them down with. This is no joke, Steve. Look... I don't care whether it's flying saucers or flying dishpans. That area is too close to the Panama Canal for comfort. You'll be met in Ecuador by a man named Drake, the chief pilot of the airlines. He'll fill you in on the background. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is proud to present Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment.
Well, this assignment really takes the cake. I've had my share of screw-loose jobs, but flying saucers yet. It's Wednesday night when I get to Ecuador. Drake, the chief pilot of Triangle Airlines, is waiting for me at the airport. He bustles me into the co-pilot seat of one of their cargo ships, and we take off and head east. It's about a two-hour hop to Santa Rosa, Mitchell. We should be there about midnight. What's at Santa Rosa? One of our fields. Kovac, the owner, is waiting there for you. You uh, do most of your flying at night around here, Drake, huh? Mm, all of it. Less turbulence over these mountains. You a flyer, too? Oh, now and then. Too bad you're not looking for a job. This monkey business keeps up. I'm going to be fresh out of pilots. Just what has been going on? You tell me. It's happened three times now. Radio flash from the pilot about seeing flying saucers. Then the radio goes dead and the plane's never heard of again. You searched the jungle near the route for the planes. From the air. The country's too rugged for a ground search. Hey, what was that? Mitchell, look outside. All those lights. Yeah. Hey, they look like rings or discs swirling around. They're right alongside of us. I'm going to go back aft in the plane. Maybe I can get a better look at them. Uh, Mitchell! Drake, what is it? What's the matter? Drake! The Drake just grabs at his chest and slumps over. The plane starts into a dive. I jump back into my seat and... Right on the level it out! I remember noticing Drake had been flying a heading of 95 degrees, so I hold it there. By the time I can look outside again, the whirling things are gone. I reach for the radio... T3 calling Santa Rosa Tower. T3 calling Santa Rosa Tower. Over. Santa Rosa Tower to T3. Go ahead. T3 to Santa Rosa. This is Steve Mitchell. Keep in touch with me. I've got to bring this bucket of bolts in, and I don't know anything about the route or the field. Over. Santa Rosa to T3. What happened to Drake, Mitchell? Over. I'll tell you about it when I get there. Right now, that's what concerns me. Over. Stay on 95 degrees. If you're on schedule, you'll be over the field in an hour. Your course follows a valley. You'll know it if you get off it all right. There's a high mountain range on each side. Over. Thanks a lot for the pleasant thought. I'll see you in about an hour. I hope. Over and out. So, for the next hour, I nurse a strange plane between two mountain ranges I can't see on a night black enough to play post office. All the while, I'm trying to convince myself I didn't see what I know I did. Drake is still unconscious, but he stirs a little now and then. Finally, I pick out the lights of Santa Rosa Airfield and manage to bring the ship in okay. Mitchell? Yeah? I'm George, Kovac's nephew. Yeah? I was talking to you on the radio. Oh. Sure glad you made it okay. You are glad. Come on, give me a hand with Drake here. Okay. Hey, he's coming out of it. Yeah. Drake. Drake. Oh, what? Oh, my chest. What happened to you, Drake? I don't know. Right after we saw those things, I suddenly felt like I'd been kicked in the chest by a mule. That's all I can remember. But there's not a mark on you. Yeah, great. Flying saucers aren't enough. Now we've got invisible rays. Well, why didn't it hit you too, Mitchell? I don't know. Wait. I just started aft when it happened. I guess it's a good thing for you. You did. Yeah. Come on, Joyce. We'll get Drake taken care of, and then we'll talk to your uncle. Mr. Mitchell, your description of what you saw during your flight tallies with those the missing pilots radioed in. I tell you frankly, I'm on the ragged edge with this airline. I've lost three planes. One more and I'm ruined. Isn't your line insured, Mr. Kovac? Why, yes, but 
This is more than money. It's a matter of prestige. Look, Uncle Emil, if you'd taken my advice a month ago when the Van Horn Exporting Company wanted to buy you out... George, for the last time, I'll not tolerate any advice from you as to how to run my affairs. Sure, you stick your nose in all my affairs, but I'm not supposed to open my mouth where yours are concerned. If you don't keep a civil tongue in your head... (coughs) Look, uh, gentlemen, I don't want to stir up a hornet's nest between you, but what is this Van Horn Exporting Company? They ship crates of carved wooden statues regularly on our planes... Our largest customer, as a matter of fact. About two months ago, they approached me with a substantial offer to buy the line. But just before the trouble started, they notified me that they were withdrawing their offer. Bad business conditions, they said. Any particular reason why business should be bad? Oh, there have been rumors about some mysterious revolutionary party organizing lately. That sort of thing always has a bad effect on business in these countries. I see. Uh, Mitchell, uh, what'll be your first step? Well, I think I'll pay a visit to the Van Horn Exporting Company in the morning. Why? You certainly don't think they're involved in this flying saucer deal, do you? Look, when you don't know where to start, one place is as good as another. Besides, I'm sure the Van Horn Company is a lot closer than Mars. Yes, sir? This the office of the Van Horn Exporting Company? Yes, it is. Well, I'd like to talk to the boss. Is he around? Yes, I'm the boss, as you call it. Huh? You? I'm Herta Van Horn. Oh, well, looks like the company is in good hands. Thank you. What can I do for you, Mr... Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. Uh, Your company ships cargo pretty regularly with the Triangle Airlines. I have been, but if their present trouble continues, I think I will have to make other arrangements. You're down here to investigate that trouble, aren't you? I don't remember telling you that. One picks up things here and there. Yeah, I guess one does. A couple of months ago, you offered to buy the airline, didn't you? Yes, I did. But that was before the trouble started. Naturally, I'm not interested now. Well, according to my information, you withdrew your offer just before the trouble started. (laughs) I see that you too pick up things here and there. Yes, I began to hear rumors about the formation of a revolutionary party. I decided it would be unwise to make a large investment under those conditions. I see. You know, that's the second time I've heard this rumor about a revolutionary party. Oh? What about it? Oh, nothing. Except it seems like a pretty convenient time to start that rumor circulating. I don't know what you're trying to prove, Steve, but I wish you luck. Thanks, Herta. Maybe meeting you has been luck. One never knows. I expect I will see you again. You expect right, Herda, and soon. Hi, Mitchell. George told me I'd find you here in the office. Yeah. Come on in, Drake. How are you feeling today? Yeah, a lot better, thanks. My chest still hurts a little. Mm. I'd sure give a lot to know what hit me last night. So would I. Doing some paperwork this morning? Yeah. I've been checking cargo invoices and radio logs. I've discovered a couple of pretty interesting things. Huh? What? Look, each time a plane has disappeared, it's been carrying a shipment from the Van Horn Company. Hmm? Well, what does that prove? I don't know yet. Take a look at this copy of the invoice. Mm-hmm. Well, what about it? How many Van Horn crates are listed there? Uh, let's see. Uh, six. Yeah. But isn't that number a little smudged on this copy? Yeah, it looks like it. Who handles these invoices on this end? 
Well, sometimes Kovac and sometimes George. Hmm. How big are those uh, Van Horn crates? Mm, five, six feet long. Now, what are you getting at, Mitchell? I'm not sure yet, but here's something else. According to the radio logs, in each case, the pilot reported sighting the flying saucers about 20 minutes after takeoff. So? Now, take a look at this map. 20 minutes out at the course and speed your planes fly should put them right near this mountain. Yeah, Mount San Anselmo. Look, what are you getting at? Well, look, suppose don't... those flying saucers came from the ground, Drake. You know... You tell me you're going into those jungles. Sure. You know anyone who could guide me? Seems to me one of those mechanics has a brother named Pavlo, some sort of a guide, I think. Mm-hmm. Mitchell, you ought to think this over before you go in there. I have thought it over. Now, see if you can round up that guide, will you? I'd like to get started as soon as possible. How far you figure we've come since we left the Jeep, Pablo? Well, at least ten miles, senor. Well, we ought to be getting close to the spot, then. Brother, this jungle is thick. This is the only trail through it, huh? See, I can believe it. Senor, what? Huh? Why the fly and tackle? Look, senor. Huh? Look there in the trail in front of you. I don't see anything. Quiet. Look more closely. Hidden by the underbrush on the ground. Yeah, I see it now. A rope noose spread over the trail. See, and over there, senor. See the tree which is bent almost double? Mm-hmm. Another step and we'd have been dangling from that tree like two apples. Come on, let's spring that trap, quick. Well, senor, you... Look, someone's obviously hiding around here, waiting to catch us dangling from that rope. Let's make him think he succeeded. Here's a dead branch beside the trail. Give me a hand with it. See, si. Got it? See. Si. Okay. Stop here. The trigger is probably under that little pile of leaves, senor. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay, we'll toss this branch on top of it and see what happens. You ready? Let her go. Look at that. The rope jerked that branch right up in the air. Now get down here beside the trail. Senor, I hear something. Yeah, so do I. Somebody coming through the underbrush. Okay, let him get right on top of us. Then we'll jump him. Now. Watch it, Pablo. He's got a gun. But I have him a chance. No, no, hold it. Great. Did I did something wrong, senor? Well, he'd have done the same to us if we'd given him a chance. But I wanted to get some information from uh, him. I would take a look. Uh, there is nothing in his pocket, senor, except this scrap of paper. Let me see it. See, si, see, si, here you are. La Posada, 8 o'clock. What's La Posada mean? That's the name of a bar in Santa Rosa. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he had a date. Okay, I'll keep the date for him. Maybe I can find out who's been going all out to kill me. You are listening to Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell. A few minutes before eight that night, I'm waiting in the shadows across the street from La Posada Bar. A car pulls up in front. Herta Van Horn is driving. A guy starts to get out, but Herta pulls him back for a minute. 
There's a long kiss, and he gets out and heads for the bar. Herter pulls away. As he opens the door, the light silhouettes him. It's Kovac's nephew, George. I wait for a few minutes, and then I saunter in after him. Hello, George. Oh, hi, Mitchell. Are you surprised to see me? Should I be? I don't know. You're waiting for somebody, George? Waiting for a drink right now. This a favorite hangout of yours? It's the only decent bar in Santa Rosa. Uh-huh. Look, uh, what's with the third degree, Mitchell? Oh, nothing in particular. Just curious. Everybody stay right where you are and keep your hands in sight. Hey, look at all the soldiers. What's the deal? That's me. You're under arrest, all of you. Everyone in this bar is under arrest. Arrest? Hey, look, who are you? Lieutenant Gonzalez of the military. Arrest for what? Look, Lieutenant. It will can... do you no good to argue. You will come quietly or be shot. Hey, what's going on around this joint? Oh, Drake. <laughs> yeah, looks like I'm about to get pinched. What's the bait? You know this man, Senor Drake? Oh, I certainly do, Lieutenant. Steve Mitchell. He's down here investigating the trouble we've been having on the airline. You better take a look at my credentials, Lieutenant. Here. I see. I'm sorry to have disturbed you, Senor Mitchell, but with the situation what it is, we cannot take chances. What situation? We have information that this bar is the headquarters for a revolutionary party. That is why we raided the place. You sure there's more to this revolutionary party than a rumor? Do you think that the military would act on a mere rumor? Maybe, if the rumor was convincing enough. Well, I'll see you around, Lieutenant. And, Drake, thanks for the assist. Morning, Hertha. Good morning, Steve. What can I do for you? I'd uh, like to take a look at your shipping invoices for the last couple of weeks, okay? I guess, of course. Here you are. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, here's the one I want. Now, this shipment was on the last plane that disappeared. What about it? This invoice shows five crates shipped, but the copy they have at the airfield shows six. Well, there must have been a mistake then. Yeah. Right now, I'm wondering who made it. Steve... I don't know what you're trying to prove, but I'm beginning to resent your inferences. Sorry, I didn't know they were showing, Hertha. I guess George was right when he said your company couldn't possibly have anything to do with the trouble the line is having. George? Yeah, Kovac's nephew. Oh, it was very nice of the men to come to my rescue when I hardly know him. You hardly know George, huh? Just to speak to on the street. I see. Well, I better be getting back to the field. I'm sorry I cannot help you, Steve. Thanks, Hertha. Maybe you have. Oh, Mitchell. Why, hello, Mr. Kovac. Uh, on your way to see Hertha? Oh, looking for you. Have you found out anything uh, at all about these flying saucers and what's behind this thing? Mr. Kovac, so far I've been just grabbing at handfuls of smoke here and there. But there's enough smoke to mean fire somewhere. Uh, you've got a plane going tonight, haven't you? Yes. Is there a Van Horn shipment aboard? That's right. How many crates? Why, uh... Five, I believe. Okay. Just one thing more. Do you have a small plane I could use? Well, there's a four-place cabin job at the field. That's perfect. Mitchell, what are you going to do? I'd like you and George to be at the control tower when your cargo plane takes off tonight, Mr. Kovac. I'll tell you what I'm going to do then. (laughs) 
That night, I wait in the shadows near the airfield. I spot the plane, T-5, loaded and ready. The pilot is in the shack getting his weather report. I slip quietly aboard. The invoice had said five Van Horn crates, but I can count six of them, all about six feet long. I put my ear to the top crate, and I hear what I expect to hear. Then I freeze. Footsteps outside. There's a faint scrape of metal under the belly of the plane. The steps fade away. I get out, crawl under. I take a long look, and a lot of things suddenly fall into place. I head for the control tower. George, Kovac, and Drake are there. T5 to Santa Rosa Tower, ready to go. Santa Rosa Tower to T5, go ahead. Wind 15 at 30 degrees. Well, Mitchell, now perhaps you'll tell me why you wanted George and myself to be here tonight. Sure. I want to take you for a ride in your plane. A ride? Where? We're going to follow the plane that's just taking off. What? Now, Mitchell... What's the matter, Kovac? Doesn't the idea appeal to you? Well, I... I'd rather not go, Mitchell. I, I don't like this idea. Afraid of what you might see, huh, Kovac? Of course not. How about you, George? Why, uh... I don't know what you're getting at, Mitchell, but it sounds like a lot of nonsense to me. Drake, you want to go along just for the ride? Sure. Except I'm not anxious to get hit again by one of those things that hit me the other night. <laughs> I think we'll be safe enough. Uh, get the plane warmed up for me, will you? I'll be with you as soon as I make a telephone call. <laughs> You're going to ready the pilot that we're following you, Mitchell? No. You and George just sit back there and keep your eyes on that plane. I don't see what you're trying to prove, Mitchell. I think you will in a minute, George. How long since takeoff, Drake? Oh, about 19, 20 minutes. Want me to take over the controls? No, thanks. Mitchell, look at that plane below, all uh, around it. Circles of whirling light. Mitchell, the flying saucers. Relax. T5 to Santa Rosa. T5 to Santa Rosa. It's all around me. Flashing lights and whirling things. Must be the flying saucers. That was the pilot reporting back. Flying saucers. Wait a minute. They seem to be coming from the plane itself. They are, from underneath the plane. What? Yeah, from a bracket attached to the belly. They're not flying saucers. They're just a glorified collection of fireworks. Fireworks? Hey, wait. That plane's turning left. But how can it fly at all? Something's happened to the pilot. He's the only one aboard. No, there's another guy aboard. He's probably doing the flying now. Where'd he come from? He climbed out of a crate. Hey, the plane is heading right for that mountain. It's climbing. We'll climb with it. Mitchell, what's behind all this? I don't know. Right now, I'm more interested in who's behind it. Kovac, you said you were pretty heavily insured, didn't you? Why, yes. What's that got to do with it? Did you inspect the cargo plane before it took off? I always do. You could have attached the fireworks to that bracket under the belly when you made your inspection, couldn't you? Are you insane? Why would I do a thing like that? Why, George here looked over the plane after I did. That's interesting. And George usually handles the invoices. He could have altered the number of crates on them. Look, Mitchell. Hey, we're right over the mountain now. And that plane is starting to lose altitude. Tell me, George, why did Herta Van Horn lie about the two of you? Keep your mouth shut, Mitchell. She said she barely knew you, but when I saw the two of you in our car outside La Posada Bar, your acquaintance seemed to be more than a nodding one. George, have you been seeing that woman again? I distinctly told you I would not okay, tolerate... Okay, so it's out in the open now. Sure, I've been seeing her, and I intend to keep it up. I can't help it if you don't like her, I do. We'll discuss this later, George. Hey, hey, look down there. Some faint lights. What? There's nothing but jungle there. Look again, that's a camouflage landing strip, and the cargo plane is landing. So that's what's been happening to my plane. What mountain is that we just came over? El Diablo. And the landing strip is right behind. Okay, we've seen enough. I'll radio back a report. Hand me and... that microphone, Mitchell. Hmm? Drake! Look out, he's got a gun. I said hand me that microphone. Okay, Drake. 
You know, I kind of got to figuring it was you. As chief pilot, you were in a good spot to alter the invoices and get your stooges aboard the plane and crates. But why? You on the radio to 4150 kilocycles, Mitchell. Okay. Yeah, you were the only one who knew I was going into the jungle, too, Drake. You arranged a little booby trap for me. You're also a good actor, faking that collapse you pulled on me in the plane. Shut up and keep tuning. Okay. You're on 4150 now. This is Drake. This is Drake. Leave the lights on. We're coming in behind the cargo plane. Stand by to receive some uninvited guests. Okay, Mitchell, go down and land. The first time you try anything smart, you'll get your head blown off. I set the plane down on the strip. The landing lights flick off, and half a dozen rugged-looking gents swarm out to meet us. Drake huddles with them for a few minutes, and then they haul Kovac, George, and me into a log hut hidden under the trees. They toss us in there and bolt the door. But the door has an inside bolt, too. We shoot it in place. We can't get out, but now they can't get in. Mitchell! Open the door, Mitchell! Okay, smart boy. You'll come out running when it gets light. The hours crawl by. We sit and wait and sweat. What what time is it now, Mitchell? <sighs> 5 a.m. I, I can't stand this waiting. What good did it do us to bolt the door from the inside? We can't stay in here forever. I'm playing for time. I've still got an ace up my sleeve, but we've got to stay alive until dawn to find out if it's any good. Well, don't look now, but I think dawn's here. Huh? There's a crack of light under the door. Oh, brother. If something doesn't happen pretty soon, we're cooked. Hey, maybe we are. Do you smell that? Gasoline. You'll be coming out pretty soon now, boys. Mitchell, he set fire to the hut. Yeah, I guess that's why he was waiting for dawn. He was afraid the fire might be spotted at night. Is this the ace up your sleeve, Mitchell? We can't stay here and roast like rats at a trap. We'll get a bullet in the belly as soon as we open that door. <laughs> couple of keen choices. <coughs> I'll take my chances with the bullets. Come on, let's get this door unbolted. But they'll kill us. I'll take fresh air with mine. Hey, wait a minute. Listen. A plane. That's the ace up my sleeve I was talking about. Sounds like it's coming down. Who is it? Just before we took off last night, I made a phone call, remember? It was the Lieutenant Gonzalez of the military. Gonzalez? But how did he know what happened to us after we took off? We'll win it out later. Let's get out of here. Hey, Gonzalez boys are taking no chances. They want that landing strip clear when they sit down. Come on, George, let's get this door unbolted. Okay. Okay, come on. Look at them scatter. Hey, Mitchell, there goes Drake, trying for the jungle. I'll get him. Watch out, he's got a gun. I see it. You can't run and shoot at the same time, Drake. Better make up your mind which. Okay, I'll shoot, Mitchell. Too late, Drake. Let go of me. He who hesitates is... Lost, you know. Mitchell. Mitchell, you okay? Yeah. How are Gonzalez and his boys doing? Well, they seem to be mopping up in a hurry. Mitchell, I still don't understand how Gonzalez found out. Well, when I called him last night, I told him our radio frequency, and I asked him to listen in. Then I kept the mic open the entire time. Gonzalez overheard everything that was said in our plane, huh? Yeah, including the location of the landing strip. 
But I knew he wouldn't try to bring a plane in here before dawn. That's why I was hoping we'd still be alive by then. But why were Drake and his outfit trying to ruin my airline? Look, if you're going to operate a secret landing strip, you don't want a regular airline flying through the area. They figured the flying saucer gag would scare you off. Well, it seems to me this was a pretty big operation for a small revolutionary party in a small country, Mitchell. You know, I've been thinking that too. Could be that's all there is to it. But it's not a long hop from here to the Panama Canal. Maybe somebody else had ideas about using this strip eventually. Of course, we'll never know, and anyway, it doesn't matter much now. Yeah. Speaking of things we'll never know, we didn't prove anything one way or the other about flying saucers in this deal. We proved something as far as Drake's concerned, though. What's that? If you monkey around with fireworks long enough, you're sure to get your nose burned. Or busted. just heard another episode in the exciting new adventure series, Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell. Dangerous Assignment is written by Bob Reif, with music by Bruce Ashley, and was directed tonight by Max Hutto. Be with us again next week at this time when Brian Donlevy, starring as Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. There's more great action-packed entertainment for you throughout the week on NBC. Other mystery adventure programs include such popular shows as Big Town, Dragnet, High Adventure, and Christopher London. Starring as Christopher London, you'll hear Glenn Ford in the swashbuckling role of a romantic, adventurous private investigator. On High Adventure, there's the utmost in thrilling drama to entertain adventure-minded listeners. Dragnet brings you in stark realism cases direct from official police files. And during Big Town, you'll hear crusading editor Steve Wilson fighting crime and viciousness. Join the millions of listeners who each week tune for thrill-packed, high-tension drama on NBC, where mystery and adventure join together for top-flight entertainment. Tomorrow, be sure to hear Bob Hope and Fibber McGee on NBC. Welcome back. Well, a good episode, and I like how they built the sense of mystery and did a lot of misdirection onto everyone else who wasn't the uh, perpetrator. And I thought that they did do a good job keeping us guessing. One thing that I did question was the chief statement that where these events were occurring was too close to the Panama Canal for uh, the Bureau to ignore. As best I can tell, uh, Ecuador is more than 700 miles away. 
from the Panama Canal Zone. So, I don't know, maybe that's a case of distance being relative. I know with modern aircraft, that could be close for some purposes. Though, from the way the Chief talked, you would think it was less than 100 miles away. I, I did like Steve's approach to this. His suggestion of, you know, focusing on the simplest uh, possibility first in investigating this and saying it's a lot easier to investigate something in Ecuador than on Mars. Though his somewhat blasé attitude at the end about, you know, it could have been that there was someone behind it making some major plan, but it doesn't matter. Well, it kind of does. You know, if the Soviets had designs on destabilizing Ecuador or destabilizing the canal zone, that might be something you actually need to know because they could try it again. But other than that, a really enjoyable episode. Now, for other series that I would recommend if you enjoy Dangerous Assignment, there's an obvious one, and of course, that's The Man Called X, which we just played. However, there's a slightly less obvious series in The Adventures of Frank Race. We played this series back in seasons three and four. It followed the adventures of Frank Race, who was a freelance troubleshooter. Sometimes he would be doing uh, insurance investigation. Other times he would be doing more cloak and dagger stuff. But if you enjoyed The Man Called X and Dangerous Assignment, this is a worthwhile listen. You can find it in uh, your podcast store or by going over to biglist.greatdetectives.net. An additional series that's not a detective program, but which we did, is Top Secret, starring Ilona Massey as a World War II and Cold War secret agent. Uh, We did that on The Amazing World of Radio, and you can check that out over at The Amazing World of Radio uh, podcast at amazing.greatdetectives.net. Now, there are a couple of things I do want to go ahead and address as housekeeping items. You may have noticed that the way our episodes are titled has changed, and you now see the series name and episode name at first, whereas for the first 3,873 episodes plus specials, the episode number has been at the front of the episodes. And you might wonder why we made that change, and the answer is we made that change so that it would make it easier for people to discover the podcast and individual episodes. Because I talked to a guy about a podcast discoverability, and he said that the episode name was a barrier by having the episode number first. And uh, some people had suggested or I'd read, take the episode number out. And I did not want to do that because having the episode number in the title works great if you're doing a search, say on our app or at the Great Detectives uh, website, you can just plug it in. But he said, move the episode number to the end. I was like, yeah, that would actually serve the same 
uh, purpose, you would still be able to search for it, but it's not going to hurt us with the uh, search engines and discoverability. So if you're wondering what is up with these episode titles changing, that's what's uh, happened. And also, a reminder, uh, coming up on Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, you can watch the podcast awards at greatdetectives.net and find out if we actually won a podcast award and who's going to take home all of the trophies. And you can watch that over at our greatdetectives.net website. Well, now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Marcus, Patreon supporter since November of 2020, currently supporting us at the Seamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Marcus. And that will do it for today. If you are not subscribed to the podcast already, you can subscribe using your favorite podcast app including Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or Amazon Music at Amazon.com slash OTR Detectives. And of course, if you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. It's all that great stuff that helps uh, the channel grow and allows even more people to be able to find our programs. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment. But join us back here tomorrow for Philo Vance, where... Well, Markham, it looks as if first reports were correct. There's nothing in this room that even remotely resembles a lead to Mrs. Allen's killer... From the position of the body, I think she was playing this piano when her murderer came into the room and strangled her. She fell from the piano bench to the floor. That's probably true, but doesn't help us at all. Oh, this is the song she was playing, Blue Penny. It's that new hit they keep doing on the radio. Isn't that a rather unusual title page, Markham? Not too. Picture of a girl who's apparently the penny in the title, the flowing blue summer dress... The names of the writers and the publisher, what's unusual about it? I'm not sure, but a little of the blue ink just came off on my thumb. I've handled a lot of sheet music. That never happened before. Vance, we're working on a murder. I know, but this blue ink that came off on my thumb may supply the color in this case. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box 13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.